0: Welcome to Bethlehem Church Online. I'm Pastor Matt. I'm so excited that you decided to join us for worship today. I hope the singing and preaching of God's word is uplifting and it gives you just what you need. I'm not sure where you are in your relationship or your walk with the Lord, uh, but I want today to be a blessing. I want you to have an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And so we pray that today is encouraging and that it's just what you need. If it's your first time, make sure to click the link in the post and fill out that form. We have a free gift for you following today's service. Thank you so much for joining us, and enjoy the service. All right, let's go to Hebrews chapter 12. We'll read verses 1 through 13. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 13. The title of the message today is A Worthy Race. A Worthy Race. Chapter 12, verse number 1. Therefore, since we also... Have such a large cloud of witnesses. What's the next word? Surrounding. surrounding. Get the picture? Kind of like a coliseum. It would have been, um, you know, in their mind's eye, I would say, culturally. Surrounding us. Let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that doth so easily. What's the next word? Ensnares us. So we have surrounding and ensnares Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, so that you won't grow weary and give up. In struggling against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And you have forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons. My son, do not take the Lord's discipline lightly or lose heart when you are reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and punishes every son he receives. Endure suffering as discipline. God is dealing with you as sons. For what son is there that a father does not discipline? I could show him a few in our congregation. (laughs) Just kidding. But if you are with... But if you are without discipline, which all receive, some of you got it, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Furthermore, we had human fathers discipline us, and we respected them. Not today. Shouldn't we submit even more to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time based on what seemed good to them, but he does it for our benefit so that we can share his holiness. No discipline seems enjoyable at the time but painful. Later on, however, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your tired hands and weaken knees, somebody say amen. amen. <laughs> and make straight paths for your feet, so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but healed instead. So that's what we're going to bite off today. A lot of good things. Today's message is very practical, very practical. One thing I want to point out, uh, I didn't talk about this last week, but if you have your Bibles open, go back to verse 30 in chapter 10. I'm sorry, chapter 11. Verse 30 in chapter 11, the hall of faith. You know, I have a feeling the enemy is just whispering in your ear a little bit. You know, he's telling you, oh, man, all those big names, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, man after God's own heart. And, I mean, we we may say, hey, he's... you know, he, he was a murderer, an adulterer, and we're all like, oh yeah, yeah, whatever. You know, he has a past. But like, we need to internalize this a little bit. Verse, verse number 30, by faith the walls of Jericho fell down after being marched around by the Israelites for seven days. By faith Rahab the prostitute welcomed the spies in peace and did not perish with those who disobeyed. I just want you to know, mentioned in not just the hall of faith, but Jesus' genealogy, how he got here, his family line, is a prostitute. And I think the author put it here for our benefit. Do you understand that no matter where you are and what you've done, the Lord loves you and cares for you and wants to use you? And if the enemy has convinced you that this is not your race to run, the title of the message is a worthy race, you got to turn around and tell him to get the heck out maybe even use some other words. I don't know. Let them know you mean business. I mean, you're going to use those words anyway, right? (laughs) Just kidding. But the point is, is like the enemy just holds things over you. Fear, shame, and guilt. And in this chapter where there's total freedom, Steve, the author says, and Rahab the prostitute. And if she would have been there, she would have been like, yep. And yes, I was instrumental in that city coming down. And yes, the Lord did use me. Just like the woman at the well who had five husbands. She went and probably started the first church and turned that place upside down. I don't care if you're man, woman, or child. I don't care what you've done in your past. This faith journey is for you. It is absolutely for you today. And the practical principles of what I'm going to say are for you. You might not have a father, and I'm going to talk about our heavenly Father disciplining us. You might never have been disciplined. You might be a spoiled brat, but that's okay. These discipline these disciplinary principles are for you too. This message is for all of us, for for all of us, to, for our reproof, for our instruction, for our correction, that we may be used by the Lord to run the race. Just thought that was a really good reminder when I was meditating on that this week. Let's jump in here. A worthy race. A worthy race. Now, uh, look at verse number one. Therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, we get this view from the scripture that we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, but if we're not careful, let us lay aside every hindrance. That is a a weight. It's like wearing, we're going to run a race, but we're wearing a weighted vest. Or we're wearing ankle weights. That would be a hindrance. Literally means weight. Or sin that does so easily ensnare. Now, when I first thought about this, I thought of like a bear trap, right? You like walk and you step in a trap and it ensnares you. You're in a snare. You're caught in a snare or in a trap. That's what I thought, right? That's what my mind kind of went to initially. But that's not what it means. It's not a one-time trap. And actually the word ensnare uh, that doth so easily beset is, I think it's KJV, Uh, I looked up that word. So here it is. Throw throw that up there, Bill. Uh, The word ensnare, um, peristatos, easily ensnaring. Now, in your concordance or if you have like a Bible study software that you use, it'll tell you the tense of the word uh, that's being used in the Greek and what verse it relates to. So you can see in the first definition, it relates to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. This is the word, right? Besetting skillfully, what's the next word? Skillfully encircling on all sides to attack a sail or inhibit action. The author calls us to run a race and the author tells us that similar to a coliseum, we are what? Encircled or surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. But if we're not careful, not that we'll fall in a trap of sin, but we will then be what? Encircled by sin. All right, I need five men. Five men. Come on. I ain't got time. Hurry up. Five big men. Big men. I need one. There's one. There's two. There's three. I need two more. It's okay. Four, or five. There we go. Come on up. Come on. More. The more the merrier. Let's, let's do it up here. Come on. All right, all of y'all, surround me real quick. Surround me real quick. How many guns we got up here? That's what I want to know. <laughs> surround me. Surround me. I need somebody here. No, like totally surround me. All right, get a little closer. I won't bite, I promise. Really, what I wanted to do is try a jujitsu technique, and I was going to, but then Dana showed up, so I'm rethinking it because I know he hurt me. So right now, I'm surrounded. Why'd y'all get so close? Uh, Everybody take one step back. Just one? So you choose, when we read this verse, throw verse 1 up there, Bill. If we look at the verse, it says, um, Therefore, since we have also such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, like it's there, they're there, they're encircling us. So we may say Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, David, I'm running out of Old Testament names, <laughs> Moses, Aaron, Mephibosheth. No. <laughs> We're surrounded by them. They've gone before us. And, and chapter 11 tells us that they've gone before us in faith. And they're cheering us on. They see us, they hear us, and they are there to offer us our, like, literally our encouragement. And when we think about quitting, y'all want to cheer me on real quick? Go ahead. Ready? Cheer me on. Yeah. See? Yeah! Man, let's go! I feel like Lamar in the huddle. You know what I'm saying. More like Zay Flowers. Those guys would be, like, huge. I'm like little Zay. You feel me? Like, this is, this is, I'm surrounded. The Lord has given this to me. But what the author says is, even though we have a cloud of witnesses that is surrounding us, what we can do is we can choose, now everybody take a step closer, to be completely encircled, to inhibit movement. The difference is, is while one step out, guys, one step out, they're going to move with me as I run my race. But sin, when it comes in and it encircles, it completely restricts my movement. And instead of thinking it as, as something that I step in and it grabs me, what you have to understand is the enemy is nothing more than a mimicker. The enemy doesn't do anything on his own. He's not smart. He's not intelligent from that perspective. He doesn't create. God creates. And he says, oh, okay, if God's going to create a surrounding for you so that you are encouraged to run your race, there's a cloud over you, and the Holy Ghost is moving. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go inside that circle, and I'm going to make a smaller restrictive circle of sin. This is what sin looks like. Everywhere I turn, what sin are you? No, I'm kidding. Everywhere I turn, it's another one and another one and another one. DJ Kelly ain't got nothing on this. It's another one. You understand what I'm saying? All I do is sin, sin, sin. No matter what. I don't know where that came from. (laughs) I'm just playing. Y'all are like, I don't know. My point is, is that the enemy doesn't just ensnare you in one sin. You don't even realize it you're surrounded. You're completely surrounded. But here's what I get from this verse. It says, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that does so easily ensnare. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us. It is your choice what encircles you. It is your choice with what surrounds you. Thanks, fellas. I appreciate it. God bless. Give them a hand this morning. Amen. They did so good. They did so good at being sinners and saints. Amen. 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 It is your choice. You choose what is encircling you. I think for me, when I can envision what the scripture is saying, it makes it so much easier for me to pragmatically like digest it and do it. I'm thinking, yeah, I'm surrounded. The Lord sees and hears, and there's so many people that are cheering me on that want me to run my race. But then we have to also understand that the devil wants to encircle us. He wants to restrict your movement. He wants to surround you and inhibit your mobility for running your race. You choose what is encircling you. Lay aside. What does lay aside mean? In verse number one, let us lay aside. It means to stop a state. In other words, you are in the state of being encircled and you stop it. And then take off. In other words, I was really hot and I had a vest on this morning because I was really cold outside. But because I was really hot in here, because the Holy Ghost is in here, you know what I'm saying, I had to take off my vest. It's that easy. You understand, the devil has no power over you. It's like literally you're at the game and you're trying to watch downfield and you're surrounded by all these tall people. And you're like, right? And unlike the limitation of your seat, The scripture says it's really easy for you to lay aside, for you to lay off, take off, walk around, get out of. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. In other words, what is inhibiting your movement is not something that is stronger than you. It's just something that's annoying. And a lot of us live with that. Why? Because we lack discipline. Many of us live in states where we literally deal with the annoying rather than fixing the problem. We deal with the fact that we can't see and we can't move in the direction that we know God wants us to go just because we don't want to have a tough conversation with that person or just because we don't want to confront that sin, just because we don't want to change our schedules, just because we don't want to beat the temptation, and we know what we should do, but we don't do it. This encircling and ensnaring of you is actually an easy fix, the author says. (laughs) If you got a problem, fix it. If you got a sin in your life, get it out. Why leave it there to wreak havoc? If you have to understand this, look, it is encircling you, and you might not see it, but everybody else does. It's gonna take you out, it's gonna literally take you out of the race. You cannot run, look, you practice, you buy the right gear. Look, this is literally a metaphor of a race that the author is using. If, if we were running a race and preparing for a race, we would like go buy running shoes. You know what I'm saying? How do you say it? Hoka? Haka? Is it haka? Hoka sounds better. Hoka. Hoka. Hoka Lounge. No. <laughs> H-O-K-A. It's those running shoes. I tried them on. I tried them on. And they, they encourage, I don't know how they're formed, but, but they encourage your foot to like go forward. Anybody ever put one on? It's a running shoe that like encourages uh, heel to toe when running. And they're so very light. Anybody have a pair? Okay. All right. Uh, you and your mother, amen. (laughs) They're, they're amazing, right? And you run, I don't have a pair, just tried them on. And, and you run, you're like, man, I could run a marathon in these, even though you're like half a mile in and I'd still be gassed. You know what I'm saying? But you feel like it because you're wearing the right thing. And you wear, you get some running shorts. Some of us are showing up to this race and we're like in coveralls and steel toe boots and the Lord's looking at us like, that's what I got to work with. Hmm. Here's a better analogy for you. You're showing up for the Christian life with your anger. You're dressed in your anger. You're dressed in guilt. You're dressed in shame. You would not think if we had a Bully's Quarters Runathon, and it was like some of y'all are competitive and you know it. I'm not competitive at all. I showed up, man, I would be getting myself a running outfit. I would be ready. I would be training. Why do we take the Christian life, like, why do we not take it as seriously? Why do we not understand that we have an enemy? And, and that enemy wants us to lose. He wants us to fall away. And it's like literally we're showing up to run this race, carrying all kinds of extra stuff that we don't need to carry. We're encircled. We're surrounded by it. Hey, you choose what is encircling you here's the next thing you choose the direction you're headed that's your choice you choose the direction you're headed the bible says let us run with patience the race that lies what before us ahead of us you choose the direction the faith life study bible says let us run let us run the race and we've to understand like context wise the foot race was one of the longest and most significant events in the Greek games. So that there's a reason why the author is choosing this as an analogy. If, if I were to choose a race or a sporting event today uh, that's popular, right, that would uh, gain your understanding and momentum for the sake of the illustration, I would choose football. Why? Because we all just watch the game. We're all in tune. We know that the Ravens are going to win the Super Bowl. You know what I'm saying? It's coming. Amen. I think the Holy Ghost is behind Lamar. I just think so. He just is. I can see it. Maybe not. I don't know. I just hope they win. But, but for them, this was the analogy. This is something they all understood. Something they were involved in. The largest race. Either lay aside and get to running or be encircled and enslaved to your sinning. Your choice. Your choice. Either lay aside the weight Either choose the right direction and get headed that way, get running, get moving, or choose to be surrounded by your sin. It doesn't really seem like there's any other choice, does it? As we're reading this text, it's like, you choose the direction you're headed. You choose what is encircling you. Now, how do we accomplish this perspective? How many find it hard sometimes to run the race of the Christian life? Anybody? Come on, let's get a witness. Anybody? Three of you? Amen. Amen. It's difficult sometimes. It's like easier said than what? Yeah. What you doing, Braxton? What you doing? He agrees. He affirms. Look, here's the thing. Look, it is easier said than done sometimes. You're like, yeah, it's so easy, Pastor. You just stop sinning. So easy, just head in the right direction. I've tried that like a gazillion times. I keep hitting that reset button. I want this year to be different. I want this year to be different too. I want us all to run this race. Look, I just, I can't see it, but I can feel that the Lord's doing something crazy with our church. Crazy. I can feel it. I I just, it's there and it's happening and it's unfolding. But you know what? It's gonna take all of us in the race. All of us. And when we think about that, it's like, man, how do we get better at this thing? How do we get better at not falling off the wagon into sin? And, And how do I... How do I stay clean? How do I stay out of that sin? How do I stay motivated? That's another. Anybody struggle with motivation sometimes? It's like, I don't want to get out of bed, Especially with this weather, man. Man, I'm ready for boating season. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is horrible. (laughs) Just kidding. This is the day that the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Look, don't lie to yourself. I hate the cold weather. (laughs) Amen. But it's no excuse. And I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you made it. I'm glad you made the decision to be here instead of encircled and ensnared like all those watching online right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just kidding. So glad you're joining us from the comfort of your own home. Just know worship wasn't the same. <laughs> How do we stay focused? I don't know because I have ADD. Amen. Here I am. And my name is Matt. We're having fun. It's gonna be okay. <laughs> Anyway, my father-in-law got that. I got a a couple of things. I got a couple of things for you. A few things that the scripture tells us that are very helpful. Number one, how do we accomplish this perspective? By looking at the best example. What's his name? Jesus. Jesus. Now, look to the text. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus. Jesus. This is how we do it. The author says, this is what you should do, and this is how you accomplish it. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Watch this. The pioneer, the perfecter of our faith, for the joy that lay before him, he chose his direction. He endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. That is very difficult. Endure. We use words like hard work and people run. He, the shame, the reproach, it's difficult. It's it's hard. How did he do it? Well, you're like, he that's Jesus. Yeah, but we've, we've just read the whole book of Hebrews saying that he is your high priest. He is your advocate with the Father. He died your death as a substitute. Amen. He is seated at the right hand of the Father for you. He didn't do it just for himself. He didn't need to do it. He did it for you. And then when we are being encircled and enslaved to our sin, instead of running the race, he's looking down going, Hey, I'm seated in a, Oh my goodness. I'm seated in a place that has a purview that you can always see. No matter how that sin surrounds you, all you gotta do is look up and I'm standing there. There is no excuse. Ever given that will keep you from Jesus. You understand what I'm saying? He is always there. The devil will never be able to shut you out from seeing the Son of God seated at the right hand of the Father. Don't let him convince you otherwise. We have to look up. The first thing is how do we accomplish this? By looking at the best example, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Hebrews 11 included a long list of worthy exemplars. Jesus is ultimately the focus. In light of the foot race metaphor, the idea here might be that Jesus, who pioneered the course of faith, awaits believers at the finish line. Amen? He has done the work. He which hath, Paul said, uh, Philippians 1, 6, he which hath begun a good work in you, he will perform until the day of Jesus Christ when you cross that finish line. We had the uh, funeral service for uh, Josh's dad yesterday. And what a beautiful service that was. A celebration of life. A home going. Where, not here, but I attended the funeral service. And just to be a part of a celebration of someone that crossed the finish line well. Like that's, I hope that's what it is for me. And I loved the the, the service in general, being surrounded by music. That was neat. Uh, what, a, what a neat way to, to do that. That's how I want my service. Look, if I croak and get hit by a car tomorrow... Y'all just come in here and worship for an hour. That's what I want for my funeral service. Amen. Cremate me because it don't matter. Don't give them Don't give them my money. You know what I mean? Let my wife keep it. My ashes will, the Lord can put ashes together like he can bones. You know what I'm saying? I ain't worried about all that. Oh, here, we'll give you a burial. I'm like, <laughs> and that'll be 100,000 of your insurance policy. <laughs> like, yeah, I bet it will be. Burn my tushy up and leave me right there. Just so I... Just so I can be a part of every worship service from here on out. Because I ain't there anyway. I'm up there. And when the Lord puts it together, he can do it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> anyway, uh, I have no idea where I was going with any of that. But I'm excited about it. We're having fun. We're doing okay. The joy that was set before him. Hey, you know prizes were often set before the athletes to provide motivation. <laughs> Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. The problem is, is we want the door prizes that the world has to offer. Sin comes around and comes talking, and we're like, yeah, we'll take that pleasure. And Jesus is like, you get a reward. You get an inheritance if you cross the finish line. Why are you settling for the pleasantries of this world? Why are you settling for what that addiction gives you? Do you understand? so, And we're going to get into this next part of the the sermon that is the hard part. Uh, There's so much more to life when you're not surrounded and ensnared and in bondage to your sin and to the enemy. Look, we have to keep the right perspective. We must wrestle with the approach and difficulty that the gospel will bring us compared to the joy of the eternal hope of the kingdom of God and make the right choice to daily endure the reproach for the sake of the kingdom of God. These people that you're surrounded by, you understand Peter was crucified upside down. Isaiah, and 2, we talked about it last week. You have your Bible in your hand or on your phone because somebody died because they translated it. And the commies didn't want them to have it because they knew the, the just a different face of communism back then right, because they know how much freedom the word of God brings. They know that the book is powerful. It's more powerful than any person, any government. And you have it because people decided that that was the reward, that scripture, that living for Jesus was more important than their own physical life. We have an example of that in Jesus. Do you understand that the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, he's told his disciples, pick up your Cross and follow me. We look at Jesus and we see someone who lived personified delayed gratification. He, he lived and was uh, the, the illustration, the primo, the pinnacle, the top of the mountain. That is Jesus. We are called to be Christians, which means Christ-like. And he was someone who even in the heat of the moment said, Father, let this cup pass from me. And even though it was hard and difficult, and even though he didn't want, in his humanity, he didn't want to go to the cross, he endured anyway, endured the shame, endured the reproach, because he knew the reward was great. The second phase of this message, number one, well, (laughs) the first thing is you choose, uh, you choose the direction you're headed, I can find the other one. You choose what is encircling you. You choose the direction you're headed. How do we accomplish this? By looking at our best example, Jesus. Here's the other one. We also have the benefit of the heavenly Father who loves and disciplines us as it is necessary. Now, verse number five in our text, and you have forgotten the exhortation, and that is true for this generation as well. And you have forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons. This is a quote, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 11 and 12. I'll read the Proverbs version. Do not despise the Lord's instruction, my son. Do not loathe his discipline. For the Lord's discipline, I'm sorry, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves, just as a father disciplines the son in whom he delights. In one instance, we have sin encircling us, that should be cast off. And in this instance, we are to see sin as an opponent that should be what? Resisted. Verse number four, before the text about our Father, who will discipline, in struggling against sin, you have not resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Jesus got in the ring with it. Not only is it something that will surround you if you let it, it is something that will oppose you. And you have to resist it actively. But in that, We have a father that is dealing with us, that is disciplining us, that is instructing us and giving us what we need. The sooner we accept the nature of discipline in our lives, the sooner we will receive a life of faith-filled purpose. Many of us are encircled, and we need to consider the fact that we control what is encircling us. We decide. Many of us are walking aimlessly instead of deciding what direction to run in the race, right? But a benefit is looking to Jesus and how he ran the race. A benefit is looking to our Father and receiving the instruction and the discipline that he has for us. This is a hard one. It's difficult. Anybody ever heard of Jocko Willink? I like that guy. He's pretty good. He says this, discipline equals freedom. As an ex-Navy SEAL, of course you would say that, right? Discipline equals freedom. This is what I'm seeing here in the text. Receive discipline. Verse number seven, endure suffering as discipline. God is dealing with you as sons. That's not popular today, is it? I know it's not. As fathers, we ought, let's take this rabbit trail. This is a good one. As fathers, we ought to know that if we don't shape the minds, hearts, and behaviors of our children, then we are severely limiting the potential that our children will have to be productive members of society. And boy, are we seeing this today. Parents that are just like, man, get your tablet and go in the corner and just leave me alone. I never get a break. Okay. Dogs. Nothing worse than an untrained animal, right? Wrong. Wrong. An untrained child. That's worse. Totally worse. We think that we are being kind, not preventing our children from doing what they want to do. But you are actually being worse than unkind. You are being selfish. For not saying no as to teach them to say no to themselves. What will the consequences be? Not only will they one day resent you, but they will also not have what they need to make something of themselves. Go ahead, give your child whatever they want. And you think that makes you feel good in the moment. Oh, yeah, just get, I give them whatever. Spoiled run. And I know that there's levels to the game. I get it. But the idea is, if you don't discipline them, if you don't correct them because you don't like the way that hurts your relationship with them, you're actually really hurting your relationship with them. Give them what they want now. Tell them that they can do whatever they want. And one day they will resent you. Because let me help you with something, sweetheart. That ain't... Going <laughs> it was a serious moment, sorry. <laughs> That's not how life works. You can see them. They come into work and they're just like, uh... uh. It's like, can you go stock that shelf? Uh... With what? What do, I, what do I do? Use your hands, and you cut the box. What do I cut the box with? A box knife. What if I cut me instead of the box? Ah. Like you think I'm playing. Like This is the softest generation ever. <laughs> I need to invite some of you young men on a job site and say, come sand the floor with me. I bet you wouldn't last an hour oh, you just think you're doing <laughs> No, I was just raised differently than you were. Everything was done for you. You're a powder puff and your hands tell that. You, you think you're doing good. I'm just making my life so, I'm just making it easy for them. You're encircling them. You're not letting them get exposed to the things that actually will make them. Why are you, is this a, is this like a, Some sort of weird like rabbit trail that you're taking? No. This is what the author says the Lord is doing with you. And so then, when we are engaging in the race, when we look to Jesus, when we are made a son and daughter, the Bible says that the Father deals with us with discipline because that's what good dads do. And here's the serious part of the the sermon. I understand that not everybody had a good example of that. I did not. I did have an example of what a dad could do discipline-wise. It wasn't perfect. I did learn. And maybe you're thinking, I don't want anything to do with that. I don't want anything like I had with my father. Look, it's time to, to, it's time to get past and get through those things. It's time to find healing. It's not a God in heaven that says, this is the way that it is. No, no, no. It's a God in heaven that sent his son, who was the perfect example of how to receive it, and he endured the worst disciplinary action ever, known to man, the cross, and he endured the shame, despising, rejected of men. Do you understand what he walked through? And he went through it. A perfect example of love and grace. And now, the Father and Him are completely reunited. As soon as life gets hard, it's like we're trying to figure out, God doesn't love me. He doesn't like me. Because He loves you, He will discipline you. Because He loves you, He'll make that difficult. I don't feel like we, pre- we don't preach this enough. God is love. He's only kind. Yeah. But he also disciplines your butt when you need it. Look, here's the thing. We all go in the grocery store and we see kids that are never disciplined. They think everything in that store is theirs. Everything. No, you can't have chocolate. As fast as they can put chocolate milk in the I mean, kids literally walking around the store eating the candy. What the heck is that? When I was a kid, that's stealing. Right. I'd be like, asset protection, come lock this child up. What are they doing in a candy bar in the middle of the store? Where was that? Not when I was a kid. If I touched the candy, I was pulling back four fingers instead of five. You understand what I'm saying? My mother played no games. None. And these kids, everything's theirs. You are not doing the world any favors and you're not doing your children any favors. We think we get saved and everything becomes ours. Oh, God's going to give me everything. Ah, He did give you everything, but he knows you can't handle it. And you need to be disciplined and you need to figure this thing out. Look, it is the same reason why you go to the gym for three weeks and quit going. Because what you want takes discipline to get there. It is the same reason, like, fill in the blank, whatever it is. It's the same reason why, look, the promotion that you want. We have to understand, yes, the Lord is sovereign. Yes, the Lord does, and he has his will. But what's our part? I just, My boss hates me. <laughs> I'd probably hate you too if I knew you in that environment. It's called a work ethic. Here's the thing, like, As soon as I started reading about discipline in this passage, I was like, oh, man, this is going to go over like a lead balloon. But it doesn't have to be. We need to have a different approach towards life. We need to have a different approach. Look, hard things are good for you. If you're a kid, endure hard things. Sometimes when mom and dad, maybe they're not perfect and they get on to you, that's good. And how you receive that will either make or break you because that's what happens with life. Life is hard. It is not easy. And you need to understand these things. But look, the Christian life is the same way. If you ever think you're going to get up and run a race, you have to understand that God is not looking for powder puffs. He's looking for good athletes. And you have no doggone excuse. Because Jesus has pioneered the way. Jesus was the perfect example. And he's not looking for perfection. He already has that. He's just looking for a willing participant. He just wants you to get in the race. He wants you to stop letting other people surround you and tell you that you're not good enough. He doesn't care. He's done the thing. He is the best. He has what we need. You just got to get in it. Just take this step. You understand what I'm saying? Run the race. It is a worthy race. The sooner we accept the nature of discipline in our lives, the sooner we will receive faith-filled purpose to run the race. Let us also remember that Jesus was our pioneer in these things. Let's take this the the last step of the way, right? Jesus undeservedly endured the cross, a disciplinary action that was meant for us, stepped in, took our place. How is that shaping your capacity to receive discipline in your life? Knowing what Jesus received on your behalf, why aren't we receiving the things that the Lord is doing in our life? Let's just talk about sin. Let's just talk about the Lord coming to you and saying no and and spanking you where you need it just because you're engaging in things that you shouldn't. Do you even accept that? If you keep running back to the sin, then you don't accept it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Pick your pain. Endure suffering to receive the reward. Right? Right? Or receive pain later because you avoided it now. In our house, when when spankings need to be administered, the line is said, "Does that hurt?" And it's yeah, that hurts. And I say, "Why does it hurt?" And they say, "Because sin hurts." And that's, that's what I that's what we say after some sort of disciplinary action. It's not me. It was your choice. And you need to understand that when you do things that are not right, look, when we're adults, it's just not a sting on the bottom. It's a broken marriage. It's a broken relationship. It's you lose your career. You don't teach them now that there are consequences, and they're going to learn. At some point, where did we get off thinking we were too big for our britches and that the Lord shouldn't discipline us? Lord, I thought this was just love and peace. No, the Lord's like, this is a relationship. I'm your father and you're the child. Let me show you the way. And if you choose to go your own way, you're choosing to remove yourself from the relationship. Yes? Isn't it so simple? But yet difficult. You choose. Do you avoid it? Do you reject it? Hey, don't. Accept it. If you accept Jesus as your Savior, then you should accept the Father as your disciplinarian. I wonder how often we should, I wonder how often we just don't respond correctly and the Lord has to continually put us through the same cycles. Yeah. Instead of gaining ground, instead of giving to, getting to the place where we can feel the Father's love because we accepted the Father's discipline, does that make sense? Yes. We continue in the cycle of discipline because we're not choosing to get pointed in the right direction. Surround. Here's the recap. You ready? Surround ourselves with the saints, not our sin. Surround yourself with the saints, not your sin. Look to who? Look to who? Come on, look to who? And then allow the Father to be a father in your life. This will change your life. What I've said today is very practical, but it is life-giving and life-changing. You need to accept it. You know, the Father wants to be your Father. Maybe you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. Then he's not your Father. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I want the Father to be my Father. I've never had that type of relationship. Well, today could be the day. Just put your faith and trust in him. He loves you. How many know the Lord loves you this morning? Come on, he loves you. And if you don't know that, today can be the day of your salvation. Thank you for watching and joining us for Our Church Online. I pray this experience was just what you needed today. If you made a decision for the Lord to follow Christ, or if the Lord did something in your heart that was special today, we would love to hear about it. Post it in the comments. Send us a message, and we'll reach out to you. Have a wonderful week, and God bless.